Welcome to Ulrig Observations, a series of short podcasts by Castletown Heritage Society, exploring the social history and heritage of the village of Castletown and the parish of Ulrig in Caithness, Scotland. Episode 6, The Late Victorian Morning Dress. Welcome to this podcast from the Castletown Heritage Centre in Caithness, Scotland. My name is Lindsay Broomfield and I have been invited to talk about the morning outfit gifted to the Heritage Centre which is included in the Highland Threads Project online exhibition launching on Thursday the 1st of April 2021. My background is in costume construction for film and stage which I studied at Toifakari, New Zealand's National Drama School. I then worked for Queensland Ballet, Theatre and Opera, making various costumes and specialising in millinery. Plus, I also worked on independent films on set. Since moving back to Caithness, I have been working on the Watts Brothers Far North film production of Playhouse as production and costume designer. I am an avid researcher and the history of what we wear and its evolution is a subject I find endlessly fascinating. Costume history was one of my favourite subjects while studying. So, enough about me and more about the very elegant morning set gifted to the Castletown Heritage Centre that was a treat for me to see up close. This morning set consists of a cape-styled jacket and skirt. From the information gathered so far about the outfit, we have the first wearer dated at 1912, a widow, Mrs James Taylor. Mrs Taylor is a crofter and farmed at Bulldew in the village of Ray in the Highlands of Scotland. And the cape jacket is rich in fabric and trim, which at the time would have been very expensive and maybe not affordable for her. My first impression of the cape is that it is from an earlier period. It was common in earlier centuries for clothes to be recycled from garments handed down or to be bought second-hand, as cloth was expensive and therefore well cared for, unlike our throwaway fashion of today. The pace of fashion is also not as heady as it is today, and older women often carried on wearing the styles they favoured in their youth. The cape jacket is made of cotton-backed black velvet, with a high fold-over collared neckline leading into two front tails. The closures are metal hooks and eyes for a flush minimal look which fasten just above the hip line. It is cut with princess seams which maintains a close fit to the body without a waist seam and let the front tails be cut in one piece which lends to an elegant style. The back is also cut with princess seams for a close fit which then ends at the small of the back and is pleated with very ornate, angular, scalloped, shaped, beaded oval motifs and inlaid with silver and black silk threads in a leaf design with the most adorable pom-poms in the centre. The larger size pom-pom trim is used around the hem of the sleeves and the front tails of the jacket. The jacket itself has been machine-stitched with the black lining applied by hand with a whip stitch. 
The collar has been reinforced with a hessian style buckram and also lined with black silk and hand sewn with a whip stitch. There is a repair on the front left of the cape jacket, which I love. It shows a moment in time and that this jacket meant something to somebody. I think the cape jacket is very much styled in the Victorian period between the years 1885 and 1887 and not from the period of the first recorded wearer in 1912. Why do I think this? The cape jacket's main bodice is machine stitched and with the modern sewing machine being used from the mid 1850s, this does date it after 1850. The use of princess seams give this cape jacket a close and elegant fit and eliminates a waist seam which allows for the elegant front tails. Princess seams are attributed to Princess of Wales Alexandria 1863 to 1901 who wore a more form-fitting style that was long over the hips around 1880. This way of seaming the bodice ended the 500-year-old tradition of cutting the skirt and bodice separately at the waist, and when first introduced was considered quite scandalous due to its form-fitting silhouette. In the earlier years of the previous decade, 1870, the silhouette was big all over with a small waist, so this was quite a change in fashion. To achieve the long line silhouette over the hips and fullness at the back, certain undergarments were worn. The corsets of this time were quite ferocious and used steel cage boning to pull in the waist and a spoon-shaped bust to flatten the stomach and smooth the hip line. The shape of the skirt echoed the flat front of the bodice by directing all fullness to the back by using a bustle. The bustle was popular in the late 1870s, but then went out of fashion to return again in the mid-1880s, 1885 to 1887, and it is this period I would date the cape jacket. The back of the cape jacket is also richly embellished, which was also a popular style of this period. One other construction clue is the shape of the sleeves, which are still slim. It is not until the early 1890s that we see the appearance of the infamous Victorian leg of mutton sleeve, tight at the wrist and voluminous at the shoulder, while still keeping the straight front. From the 1890s, the bustle is in decline, and so this is another reason why I also date this jacket to pre-1890. The lining of the skirt is very interesting, as it appears to be dyed using aniline dyes, the first synthetic dyes used from the 1860s onwards. These dyes were a discovery while attempting to synthesise quinine for malaria. Before this time, natural dyes were used and gave a more natural muted tone. Mavine was the first synthetic dye, which was a fuchsia colour, these dyes faded quickly and so maybe this is why it is used for the lining of the skirt. The lining and the skirt is machine stitched, but the lining has a beautiful ruffle scallop shaped self fabric trim, which gives a light feel. I would say this cape jacket has been either bought second hand, which was an accepted way for those of lesser means to purchase more extravagant clothing and therefore may be slightly out of style in 1912, or it may have been passed down to Mrs Taylor from the lady of the state the croft was on. 
It could also be that Mrs Taylor wore this in her youth and kept it throughout her life for mourning clothes. The Victorian clothing etiquette for mourning is well documented and with higher mortality rates, Victorians' experiences of death were frequent. She may have well worn this many times for long periods. Mourning for widows, which she was, was in four periods. The first was for one year and one day, all black, usually in bombazine, a silk twill with crepe overlay, widow's cap, long cuff and collars. The second period was six months, with the crepe overlay removed. Ordinary mourning were, was no crepe, bombazine replaced with wool and jet jewellery was allowed to be worn. The last period is half mourning, with grey, lavender and mauve, a combination of these in ribbons being allowed to be worn. For Mrs Taylor, this would have been a very smart outfit and worn, as we would say, for Sunday best. This is a very interesting cape jacket that tells us a story about a life in the past and the cut of fit of clothing throughout the years. You may think it bears no resemblance to anything in fashion now, but Zara have been selling a cape blazer for years now with nearly the same construction, a bet with a lower neckline and no amazing trim. Hopefully this has brought this wonderful piece to life a little more. Thank you for listening. If you would like to find out more about Castletown Heritage Society, the village of Castletown or the parish of Ulrich, visit our website www.castletownheritage.co.uk